Hello and welcome to the Energy Detox coming to you today from on top of a parking garage in Erie, Pennsylvania, overlooking the beautiful bay here, where the annual Shale Insight Conference just let out. And if you're familiar with Shale Insight, you likely know about its mission, its uh, networking potential, the hundreds of attendees. But one thing you might also know is that in all of the marketing material, Shale Insight is typically written out in all caps, which begs the question, is Shale Insight an acronym? Does it stand for something? Is it like the two companies that I used to work for, Schlumberger and Equitable Resources, which are now SLB and EQT, respectively, and which caused people to say, well, what does SLB stand for? What does EQT stand for? And of course, the answer is, well, it doesn't really stand for anything. It just happened to be the ticker symbol before those companies went and rebranded. Now, of course, my guess is that Shale Insight doesn't stand for anything, or at least those 12 letters don't stand for anything. But that's not going to stop us today from taking Shell Insight, taking those 12 letters, and turning them into something that doesn't just speak to 12 themes from the conference that I just left, but more significantly, tied to 12 leadership themes that attendees at Shell Insight likely encounter on a regular basis. And more significantly, as is the case here on the Energy Detox, to help you ask yourself practical questions and apply practical tools and tips and mindsets that can help you address those themes and challenges more effectively. And so again, to do that today, I've, I've got my notes from the conference, one page here of 12 words that align with Shale Insight. And we're gonna, we're gonna force this acronym here upon you if you choose to listen to this episode of the Energy Detox. But before we do that, I do need to throw out a couple disclaimers. The first of which is, although I and my company, Winning Partners, are members of the MSC, the Marcel Shale Coalition, which puts on this conference, this is in no way endorsed by the MSC or is uh, approved by the MSC. This is my own observations, so uh, take that uh, for, for what it's worth. The second disclaimer is that everything I'm going to share is largely in the public domain. Whether you look at the agenda for the conference or whether you've seen some of the materials out there publicly from some of the companies and some of the people that address the audience, uh, again, a lot of this stuff is already out there. But the difference is, as I sit through these things and as I engage with participants in a conference like this, I'm always doing it through the lens of a leadership coach, an executive coach, looking for ways to make sure that what I deliver to clients is as relevant and topical as possible. So when I hear general themes about advocacy or technical matters or uh, governmental matters or permitting matters, all of those things, again, my job is to translate them into the internal challenges, internal advocacy, internal whatever the case is that you as a leader face. So with those disclaimers in mind, let's go ahead and, and start ticking quickly through the 12 words that tie back to the Shale Insight Conference. And spelling out again, this is, we're, we're low graphics here today. This is low tech. I know we're a high tech industry, but again, this is a piece of paper, a leadership coach standing on top of a garage right next to plenty of droppings from the seagulls that are flying over my head. So without further ado here, we'll start with the S, sustainability, which again is the buzzword of all buzzwords. And tying into that is something that was referenced from the very beginning of the conference and by multiple presenters throughout. And that is that we have here in the United States 100 years of natural gas. And that's uh, per a recent study put out by the Potential Gas Committee. And again, that was referenced multiple times. But the, the caveat there, the warning there that, that I see and that I had several conversations with folks about is that when you lead with a comment like that, for some members of the, the general public, 
immediately they're going to they're going to see that as a sign of complacency that hey we have enough now we can kick the can down the road for a hundred more years without having to worry about other sources of energy well of course that couldn't be further from the truth and so the the tip certainly for us in the industry and the conversation for us in the industry and more importantly for you within your organization as a leader is to preempt those arguments, to preempt anybody that's going to say, well, well, wait a second, how can you talk about sustainability when you're, you're already talking about the fact or, or reiterating the fact that this is a finite resource? No, instead, you need to emphasize first all of the things we're doing to, again, to, to parrot uh, certainly CNX, who, who recognizes natural gas as a catalyst, but to parrot that idea that natural gas is a catalyst. It's going to allow us to innovate. It's going to allow us to, to find and explore new sources of energy that we can use well beyond the next 100 years. And so while, again, 100 years of, of resources that we can leverage is a good thing, we need to be reminded that if we're going to embrace sustainability, then we need to recognize that we need to make sure that the, the headline, if you will, is not that we have 100 years of natural gas. It's that the natural gas we're using right now is going to fuel all kinds of innovation moving into the future, and you know we'll be just fine for the next 1,000 years. So moving on from the S there, sustainability, the next letter is humanity. And humanity here will we'll turn to EQT's Rob Wingo, who, who emphasized, as Toby Rice does often uh, in, in public or at uh, conferences like this last year, that, again, the ultimate goal, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate vision, whatever you want to call it, is to better humanity. And that is, again, a headline of all headlines, but it's one that, again, can be missed if you get lost talking about things that are good, like jobs and the impact on the economy and all kinds of products that you use day in and day, that's all good things. But the ultimate goal is bigger than that. It's to help people thrive. It's to help us as human beings realize our full potential. And again, bringing it back to you as a leader, are you allowing those, those necessary conversations, but intermediate conversations, to detract from the ultimate mission that you and your company and your team purportedly have? So again, that's a question for you to ask because it's something that's easy to miss in an industry like ours where we are super busy and may not always have the time to, uh, to remember and to, to use that filter, if you will, and keep coming back to that ultimate mission and vision. And moving on from the, the humanity piece, the third letter here is the audience, A. So we have sustainability, humanity, and now audience. And it's a natural flow from the humanity thing where if your ultimately goal is, is to, to better humanity, then you need to be mindful of who that audience is. Because again, the audience isn't necessarily the 800 people that were in attendance or whatever the number is this week. It's the vast majority of the population who doesn't really understand energy. And Selena Zito, who just wrapped things up here, and, and if you don't know Selena Zito, Follow her, subscribe, great resource that uh, understands humanity. She understands the audience. And so the question for you is, again, from a macro standpoint today, hey, do we understand who our audience is? Do we understand that we can't just throw out acronyms to, uh, you know, to, to wow them and lull them to sleep? No, that's not going to help. You need to recognize what is significant to them. What are their challenges? What is their focus? And again, it's no different within an organization. You need to recognize who your internal stakeholders are, Look at them at a, at a human level and go from there. But you need those insights. You need the type of insights that Selena Zita gets by being present. And again, that's a theme we'll probably come back to here, but you need that presence to get those insights so that you can take actions that are going to resonate with your audience. Moving on, the letter L in shale here, and that's legacy. And there's a, you know, a couple things that, that were touched on from a legacy standpoint that were addressed on stage. 
one of which was from Tim Dugan, the COO of Olympus Energy. And of course, he talked about the fact that, you know, for those who are getting close to retirement age, you can't just sail off into the sunset, like a, like the sunset that'll be behind me here in a couple hours here, the beautiful sunsets in Erie. But no, you can't just sail off into the sunset without sharing what you know, without mentoring, because if you're doing that, your job isn't done. And, you know, that kind of segue into the, uh, the, what is it? The, uh, University Research Forum, or wherever it is here in my notes, that Olympus sponsored as part of Shale Insight. And part of that is, of course, helping newer generations get excited about our industry and participate, while also sharing the insights that we have as you know members of this industry for the last several decades, sharing those insights so that your legacy can continue. Moving on from there, environment, E. So S-H-A-L-E, environment. You'd be hard-pressed walking around the, the exhibit hall to, to miss the fact that a whole heck of a lot of companies are directly or indirectly tied to environmental matters. And if there's one thing we should be emphasizing as much as possible, and again, that's not to say we don't as an industry, it's the fact that, hey, look, you know, environment is important to, to all of us, no less so than anybody out there. In some cases, we're more protective of the environment than so-called environmentalists. And, and again, that's the talking point externally that we need to hammer home. But internally, you know, when you look at, uh, oh, I don't know, some of the two different mentions of clearing the air uh, initiatives, uh, one from the GPA organization, uh, one from Pittsburgh Works, both of which are meant to debunk the narrative out there. Again, that, you know, say, well, one case, the air in our region here in Western Pennsylvania is, is no good, right? You know, it's, it's reminiscent of what it would have been 100 years ago. Couldn't be further from the truth. And then clearing the air in a more figurative way, again, debunking myths. Well, again, we do that from a public standpoint, but what about internally in your organization? What are the myths that you need to debunk? It's a topic we talk about all the time here on the Energy Detox, but it bears repeating. Are you hunting out those myths and are you proactively taking the, the wind out of the sails of those arguments? Are you clearing the air? And if not, is it because you don't have the will to do so? Or is it because you don't actually have the insights to recognize that there are myths and narratives that are uh, undercutting your mission as a leader? So we're done with shale here. We'll move on to the second word, insight. Seven more letters, innovation. Again, you'd be hard-pressed not to uh, hear the word innovation multiple times. I think it was most front and center uh, from Range and Dennis Degner, their CEO, who, again, emphasized that in our industry, it's not just continuous improvement, but in many ways, it's disruptive innovation. It's step changes. In fact, 20 years ago, they uh, initiated the biggest step change, and that is, of course, the first shale well in the Marcellus. That, of course, has led to this proliferation. So again, the simple thing there without talking about the merits of innovation, again, another buzzword, but a practical word that you need to embrace as a leader. And that is, are you content with continuous innovation or are you embracing the type of disruptive innovation that led to everything that uh, basically we've been talking about for the last two decades here and that we talked about for the last uh, two or so days here at Shale Insight. Moving on from there, the next letter, N, networking. Networking at an event like this, of course, is a main reason why I'm here and lots of people are here. And it's not just networking in the sense of having a couple drinks or more than a couple drinks and multiple happy hours, but instead forming real deep conversations. And as I've shared with anybody, the level of conversations at Shell Insight and uh, with all Marcella Shell Coalition events for that matter is definitely uh, a level above what uh, you're going to find elsewhere. I'm, I'm comfortable saying that as biased as I might be, but it's true. And bringing it back again to what we talked about earlier, the university showcase and, and engaging with future generations. You have to have those conversations with people that might not be 
as, uh, as easy to talk to because they might not be as on the same page as you, but you need to have those conversations and it's the same within your organization. And again, something else that was brought up multiple times here is silos within organizations and breaking them down, but no, forget the breaking them down. Figure out how to connect them. That's a lot easier. Connect those silos within your organization. That's internal networking. And if you can do it effectively, and there are ways to do it effectively, which is, again, not the, the point of this conversation, but ask yourself, what's the most effective way to connect those silos? It's not lunch and learns, most likely, but it could be. But it's more intentional avenues of, of integrating other people from other departments, with other perspectives into your organization, into your meetings. That is sustainable, and that's what's going to form the insights and the... And the um, uh, sustainable approaches to connectivity, if you will, within your organization that are going to stand the test of time. Moving on from there, safety. Again, in our industry, you'd be hard-pressed not to see a focus on safety, but I think the biggest thing when it comes to safety is basically that, hey, look, i got to read my notes here, but you know, from the, the safety, oh, there we go, one of the university research studies that was most compelling to me looked at leadership in the field and basically did an in-depth study. It was, um, you know, from a, rep, uh, a gentleman, PhD from Slippery Rock. And he basically asked the question, hey, how does frontline leadership, predominantly company men, how does that translate into safety culture within organizations? Or, or again, within organizations in the field, in some cases by people who are not even direct employees of an organization, of a company. So that's the type of questions we need to be asking. And then, of course, we need to ask ourselves, well, what resources can we apply? And again, I'll, I'll try to point to that study here in the show notes, but that's a question you need to be asking. And that's the type of question that, because we're engaged with academia and can ask those questions, it's going to make a difference. So it's not just talking about safety at a conference like this, disconnected from the field, potentially, at least geographically, but instead asking ourselves the most frontline of all of our frontline leaders, are we arming them with the leadership tools that they need to effectively communicate and push out the safety culture. Moving on from there, the letter I, another, no, yes, another letter I here, impactful, impactful. And for impactful, we'll turn to CNX and their COO, Nav Beal, who spoke, because one of the, the three pillars of the CNX foundation, which is a, an arm of CNX, is impactful, along with being tangible and local. But when it comes to making an impact, it helps, of course, when things are tangible and practical. And it helps, again, as we said earlier, when you recognize your audience, the letter A that we mentioned earlier. That is how you sustain momentum in our industry. And again, and I'll pause there, uh, pause here for those who might be looking on, uh, watching or listening on LinkedIn because it's going to cut off at 15 minutes, but you can navigate to the link to keep watching the rest of the, uh, the rest of the letters here if you're so inclined. But either way, whether you're watching on LinkedIn or not, when it comes to impact, CNX has arguably the most local and impactful and tangible approach to leveraging our natural resources that we have here in Appalachia. And that is to essentially vertically integrate all kinds of manufacturing and product development and, and new sustainable fuels right here in Appalachia using the fuel that's right here in Appalachia instead of relying on very long supply chains to get the product out of our region, which of course is increasingly difficult thanks to uh, lots of the other themes that were addressed this week, and then in turn to you know, have things manufactured overseas and come back. Why not do it all right here? 
And it's a compelling message. Again, it's one that we've talked about in separate episodes here on the Energy Detox, but it, it bears repeating because that very much is in line with the mission of Shale Insight, which is why if there were an acronym to, to tie into Shale Insight, I think it uh, is certainly worthy of the, the second letter I, maybe even the first letter I, so we can let the, uh, the innovation and the, uh, the impactful words battle it out for, the, uh, for top billing on the letter I here. Moving on to the letter G, letter G and growth. And growth, of course, in our industry, if you've been around, uh, turned into a quite the dirty word there for several years. But now that we've moved beyond growth for growth's sake, we can talk about growth in terms of very literal growth. That is building, building things. And one of the, uh, one of the speakers on stage there was Jeff Nobers with the Builders Guild. And he sat there alongside Patty Horvatich of the Pit, uh, Pennsylvania region or Pittsburgh Regional Alliance. And essentially the two of them talked about how, again, to leverage our existing resources to grow. And that's the key for you as a leader, leveraging your existing resources first. And that's one of the many reasons I enjoy what I do as a leadership coach, because I'm not there to reinvent the wheel. I'm not there telling you you need some giant seven-figure initiative to, to rebrand and retool and bring in all of these new ideas. No, the easiest thing to do is to leverage the resources we have right here in our organization, or again, collectively here when we talk about the bigger picture in Appalachia. Use our existing energy and use our existing people. And again, Patty revealed uh, some interesting visuals and statistics about how much talent we have right here in Pennsylvania. Why not, why not leverage that? So the question for you today from a leadership standpoint is, are you spending enough time leveraging your existing resources, as simple as a question as it might be, or are you distracted by outside initiatives that can be costly, not just in terms of money, but in terms of time and energy and focus? Moving on from there, two letters left, and here another letter H. And for this, we'll go with the word hub. Hub, because hub, again, is one of those things that came up with multiple speakers, particularly as it relates to the potential for a hydrogen hub in our region. And without getting into the details of the fight for the hydrogen hub, and again, another episode of the Energy Detox, which we can link to, but very simply for you as a leader, the question is, are you seen as a hub where information is flowing to you and where you're able to communicate outwards? Or are there things that are an impediment that get in between you as a hub and, and your stakeholders, especially your internal stakeholders? Because again, one of the biggest themes I see and a lot of questions today in casual conversation about uh, the themes I see as a coach, one of the biggest themes, of course, is all of those barriers that separate leaders, especially the higher up they get from their people. And the first question that a leader needs to ask is, all right, well, what, what am I missing and how is my message not flowing out to others? And if he or she is able to ask that question and, and gets honest feedback, which is quite frankly, the type of feedback or, or insights here to stay on brand for Shell Insight. Once they have that feedback that, hey, here are some specific examples where your message is not reaching the necessary parties or where their message, more significantly, is not getting up to you as a leader. Because that's lost value. When those ideas are stifled, it's antithetical to the innovation letter that we talked about earlier. You don't have an innovative culture when you are not a hub and when things do not flow freely to you. So the question for you is, of your people, what am I missing? In what ways am I not a hub? And in what ways is my message not getting to my people or not getting there in, a, in an intact manner? That being said, flowing on to our last letter, and that is T, the letter T. And 
For the letter T, I'm going to turn to Assistant Secretary uh, Jeffrey Piet of the Bureau of Energy Resources of the U.S. State Department. Uh, a lot of letters there, all kinds of acronyms and, and letters we can, we can throw there, but I'm giving you the, the full version of his title there. And one thing he said on day one of this conference is that he is impressed by what he has seen, particularly the technology that we embrace, especially as it relates to the environment and to safety. So T, of course, could be uh, another letter T here. Only one letter T in shale in sight, though. So I decided to go with transparency instead. But again, the moral of the story is he has seen these things. He's seen them. He's emphasized how he's been invited to go out and see and touch these things. And therefore, he has a full appreciation for it. And his recommendation was that our industry needs to do more of that. We need to showcase what we do. And as cliche as it sounds, when you hear from somebody like him who's in a position to obviously have all kinds of influence, he's touting, hey, we are doing a lot of good things. We should be sharing that with others. We should be exporting our approaches, our safety mindset, our environmental mindset. But we got to show people what we do. And we got to do it in a way that resonates. We need to, to go back to what we said earlier about recognizing your audience, recognizing that you're dealing with humans. You need to take a playbook from uh, Selena Zito, who again emphasized, you got to see this stuff. And in fact, here, she closed the conference. She made just that point. She echoed the assistant secretary's words, essentially, by saying, hey, look, you have to show, in her case, reporters. You have to show them. She's using the same exact words that we heard at the outset of the conference, and it couldn't be more true. It couldn't be more necessary, and it couldn't be more relevant for you within your organizations as well. Because we just talked about silos, right? Are you demonstrating, are you showing what is actually being done? Are you following up after the fact when you've implemented something that has caused all kinds of headaches and trauma and drama and whatever else? People put together a project, some of these technologies that we're talking about here. It takes effort from an operational standpoint in many cases to implement it. Well, are you doing your job to follow up after the fact and to show them the final results? Or are you just moving on to something else that you're going to push their direction, no matter how good it is? And, and I think to close here, and maybe this is a, a, longer, uh, a longer letter here in, in the vein of transparency, but again, this is a word that came up a lot. I think we can and should point back to several conversations about pipelines. So we had a, uh, a fireside chat, if you will, here today, just a little bit ago from MPLX and, uh, and GPA, you know, two representatives there talking about pipelines and, of course, the things that we need to do to, to keep being able to build those pipelines. Again, all kinds of themes that we're used to hearing. We also heard from some of our uh, public officials, so Joe Manchin and Guy Reschenthaler, and from David Butterworth, who I think may have delivered the most uh, impassioned talk. So David Butter Butterworth of uh, Pipeliners, local uh, 798, you know, the whole point there was, look, we have a lot of impediments that are preventing us from putting in place pipeline projects. And yes, we know that MVP now, knock on wood, or, or knock on again the, uh, the, um, the dropping uh, covered wall that I'm leaning against here. Knock on wood or the wall here, MVP, Mount Miley Pipeline, is going to be built. But the question is, from a transparency standpoint, are we prepared once it's done to go back and in conversational terms, do a bit of a victory lap. Again, not to, not to say I told you so, not to celebrate the fact that it was built, but to celebrate the fact that it delivered on the promises that, that were made. Or if it fell short in any way, acknowledging it. Taking the wind out of the sails of, of adversaries, and there's no shortage of adversaries and, and quite frankly enemies. Are you going to proactively go out and take the wind out of their sails by being transparent? 
Or are you going to let them construct the narrative and find all kinds of reasons to say, ah, they didn't deliver on their promises? Just as there's groups out there trying to claim that the last 15 years of shale development here in Appalachia didn't deliver on the promises of, of jobs and, uh, and growth and everything else. While, of course, the opposite couldn't be more true. In fact, again, at the outset of the conference, Marcel Shale Coalition shared the results of a study that it commissioned demonstrating the economic impact. And without uh, spouting all the specific numbers, again, I'll, I'll link to that as well, the moral of the story is the impact is real, and we need to share that in a very conversational way that ties to the bottom line that we talked about way back in some of these early letters, and that is, of course, the human aspect. The real benefits to individuals and their families who want to see their families, again, recognize their, their full potential, make the most out of their, their individual resources and the resources that they have in their community, their state, in their country. But that starts with transparency. It starts with being present. And again, it's no different than the approach that you need to take within your organization. So the final question for you is, are you taking those steps? Are you sharing in a way that follows up and doesn't just move on to the next thing? Because we're all busy. We all want to grow. We all want to, to embrace innovation. We all want to take advantage of all these words that we just talked through. But sometimes it takes time to step back, to have that conversation, to be intentional in a way that Selena Zito is intentional. And coming to you again as a, as a leadership coach with a, with a business that's based on intentionality and making sure that you're not unwittingly dismissing the concerns of your constituents, of your audience, again, letter A there, working it all in. You need to ask those questions. You need to take that time. And you need to not just take these insights and nod your head and say, well, that was, that was interesting. No, you need to convert those insights into actions. And hopefully here, if you've made it this far, you recognize that everything we just stepped through, all 12 letters and 12 words can be translated into actions if you're looking at it through the lens of leadership and how you can translate these technical challenges, these, these logistical challenges, these permitting challenges, these environmental challenges, all of these challenges, you have parallels to those in your organization, but it takes the time to ask how it applies to you and your day job and what you can do about it. So, as we talked about last year and last year's recap of Shale Insight that, again, we'll, uh, we'll link here if you're interested to, to hear, you know, the goal there was to convert insights to action. So, again, hopefully you found some of the, uh, the insights or observations or notes uh, worthwhile if you were at the conference or if you weren't at the conference. And uh, if you were not at the conference, then I invite you to join us here next year because when it comes to insights, when it comes to conversation, when it comes to all of these words, sustainability, Humanity, audience, legacy, environment, innovation, networking, safety, impact, growth, hub, and transparency. Again, uh, I did not make the attempt this week to turn that into a sentence. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll, I'll work on that after the fact. But if you take those 12 disparate words, they are translated into something that is meaningful and that will help you grow, will help your organization grow, and will, again, in the case of Shale Insight, help our region grow and maximize its full potential. So with that, if you were at the conference, uh, hopefully we had a chance to, to connect. If you weren't at the conference, I hope to see you next year. And either way, I hope you have a great rest of the week. And uh, one final plug here. We've had three beautiful days minus a couple raindrops this morning. If you haven't had a chance to check out the Erie Bayfront, then uh, I, I encourage you to, to do so at least before, uh, before winter sets in in about seven hours, I think. So with that, thanks again for tuning in. Have a great rest of the day and bye-bye for now.